Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Jose Canseco Cast, a podcast about baseball legend Jose Canseco, with your hosts Jeff May and Adam Todd Brown. Hey, everybody! Hi, hi, everybody! Welcome. To Jose Cansecast. Hi, I'm Jose Canseco, and you're listening to Jose Cansecast with Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. That is, is what Jose Canseco will not say for $150. <laughs> he will not say that for us for money. We asked, and he refused. And he said, I refuse. He said, No. Pass. And then I said, Well, then, can you say, I definitely fucked my dog? <laughs> oh. He refused to do that also. Yeah. How have you been since we recorded last? Uh, good, good. Busy. A little busy bee. little busy beaver. Little busy beaver. <laughs> getting a bunch of stuff in. We got the uh, Halloween spooktacular starting over at Sideshow, so I've been filming a lot of stuff there. Oh, fun. A lot of like late night, duh, the, this code drops now Oh, kind of a thing. You have fun. 15 minutes, you know. They make you be there for that live as it happens? Yeah. Yes, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as it drops at midnight, there's Jeff yeah. filming those videos. If you look at Sideshow Collectibles YouTube at midnight tonight, you might see me there live in studio. Right. Yikes. Good thing we're not live streaming this and so no one can see the look on your face. Yikes. Hey, we are live streaming this. If you're a Patreon subscriber at the $15 level, sometimes you can watch us record these podcasts. Hey, we're going to record a podcast about Jose Canseco, who kind of sucks, but I loved him a lot. Yeah, we've hit that point. This happened with Kurt Cobain when I did the Nirvana podcast, but we've hit that point where I'm like, nah, I don't know if I like this guy. I'm very medium on him. Because we're talking about one of the seemingly craziest incidents in his entire career. Yeah, it's something that really boggled the mind at the time of everybody. But then when you look at it through rational colored glasses, you're like, oh, uh, all right. Yeah, this would have been an episode that would have fit really well on the 90s podcast because uh, it happened in the 90s. But also, that's kind of what we do on that podcast. There's so many things that happened in the 90s that history sees one way. And when you dig into it, you're like, nah, little that's, bit. That's not, that's not the thing. Yeah. Little, that's not the thing. Yeah. Like Get out the, of here, history. Like the idea that the Buffalo Bills of the 90s were one of the best teams and they just came up short a little bit every time. They were a good team in a subpar conference that should have lost every four of those Super Bowls. Yeah. Like they were never favored. They were favored once because Phil Sims was hurt. I was told the uh, Jim Kelly was a piece of shit. Yeah, I've I heard that. Told that by somebody who worked in a sports newsroom in yeah. Buffalo. That wouldn't surprise me. He's been through some shit though, so maybe that's part of it. Well, but sorry. That doesn't give you permission. Yeah, you still don't get to be a dick. So Speaking of dicks. Speaking of dicks. We're talking about one of the craziest trades in sports history. Yeah, I remember when this happened. I remember where I, this was my Kennedy. <laughs> this was a trade that sent Jose Canseco from the Oakland A's to the George W. Bush-owned Texas Rangers yeah, in 1992. Buddy. The end of the Bash Brothers era. Definitely, this yeah. This is it. This is the end. They're no longer going to have it, even later when we revisit his life later in the 90s when the A's try to re get a little resurgence for it it's never the same 
No, it never no. it never comes back. And he he's out. He's he's off to Texas. They trade him for what? Ruben Sierra, Ruben Sierra, Mike Witt, and another pitcher whose name I don't remember. Nor does history really. Yeah, but and like trades in sports are nothing new. No. They happen all the time. They've been happening forever. No, and it happens It happens to great players sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I think a good example of that is Gretzky to the Kings. Yeah. Gretzky to the Kings. The Jose Canseco trade kind of is the same thing, but Gretzky to the Kings is a great example of why fans are kind of wrong to expect this sense of loyalty and commitment to a city or team out of athletes, knowing those athletes are never going to get that from ownership in return. The only time that I take umbrage when like an athlete does some shit like that is when they have previously stated, and a good example is Johnny Damon, because Johnny Damon said like in print, I think even, but he was like, I could get traded and that's perfectly fine. You know, I'm a you know, I'm a Red Sox now, but I'm going to be a free agent, but I'll never go to New York over oh, yeah. money. And then he went and everyone's like, man, you literally said the thing you weren't going to do. said the whole thing. Like, if you had just done it, we would have been like, that's fine. Like, yeah. That happened with Jacoby Ellsbury. And we were like, all right, man. Yeah. We'll see you a bunch of times. Yeah. In cases like that, obviously. Yeah. But you're right. Like, ultimately, Jose doesn't owe Oakland anything and Oakland doesn't really Oh, Jose, anything other than massive amounts of ticket sales. Right. Like, to be fair, Jose Canseco sold a lot of fucking tickets to Oakland. Yeah, that's one of the things that bothers me about him and the way he's portraying himself in this book is he veers wildly from really embracing that, oh, I was the bad boy of baseball. I was the rock star of baseball. And he says these things as if we're supposed to go, Respect, Jose Canseco. You were the bad boy of baseball. You did almost kill Frank Thomas. And then the next chapter, he'll be like, why was everyone picking on me? Why wasn't anyone mad at McGuire? Why was it all me? Is it because I'm Cuban? And it's like... I don't know if that's the case, Jose. Maybe like 15%? Yeah. They didn't pull you over knowing you were Cuban. (laughs) Yeah. And also... He's not honest in this book, which you kind of have to expect. This is kind of a damage control book. We discussed this last episode, so I think it should be, if you somehow missed the last episode, uh, stop this. Stop it right now. Go stop. Back, listen to that. Yeah. The book Juice by Jose Canseco is very up and down, very fast and slow. I don't want to use the wrong terminology, but it comes off very bipolar. Yeah. It comes off very book. manic and then very down. And it's it's unfortunate that it's the best way to describe it, but... You get chapter after chapter of like two chapters of like, I was the fucking best. I was cocaine as a person. And yeah. then the next one is just like, nobody really respected me. How come no one liked me? No nobody, one wanted me to be the best baseball player. And then it's like, Madonna wanted this dick. Yeah. But I wasn't going to give it to her. But how come everybody wanted to get rid of me? That doesn't make sense. It's like, dude, you. It's infuriating. It is. But it's also a man who's lived a life trying to piece together that life which was a whirlwind and he's trying to do it while clearly not being well at the time i mean i feel like he really underplays his relationship with his father and i feel like it's possibly the most important part of this book his entire life is him trying to be yeah hey dad what do you think about your son now yeah that's a lyric by filter next up on filter (laughs) cat but this trade it was different for Really one one big reason. I mean, 
Part of it was because Jose Canseco was Jose Canseco. Yeah. And no one expected him to get traded. They certainly, if he was going to get traded, didn't expect that it would happen during a game. Like between innings. Between innings. Like that is, he goes down, he's about to hit third. Right. And LaRusso's just like, you got to go. You're going to Texas. Told him to hit the showers and that there'd be a press conference later. He had been traded to the Texas Rangers. Which is so, it's nuts because when you think of a Jose Canseco at that time, you think of people like, this is their identity. Yeah. This is who they are as a ball player, and this is who they're going to be forever. And then you think about people, and I'm going to use him as an example, but Barry Bonds, who was a career pirate until he wasn't. And now, if he makes it to the Hall of Fame, which he should, he'll go in as a giant. Right. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But you don't think about, like, there are certain people that you think as franchise players, you know, like a Tom Brady or something like that, like really face of the franchise. And it would be like, it would have been like the Texas Rangers trading Nolan Ryan at the time. Right. That motherfucker got traded a million times too. Or the Yankees trading Derek Jeter. Yes. That's a better, or or like a, yeah, or like a. Because you can't use the NBA at, like, Okay, as someone who grew up in Illinois, I'm uncomfortable with this comparison. Oh, here it comes. But had the Bulls traded Jordan at some point, you'd have been like, just, whoa. Just say Pippen. Yeah, Pippen Although too. He would, no, because no, because Conseco was Conseco the face. Conseco had Jordan name recognition yeah. at this time. He's name dropped in the fucking Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, he was like, in Madonna's sex book. When you think about that, also, that's a mean line. In Ninja I Turtles. don't remember it. So in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, when Raphael, who's like the tough talk in Brooklyn, you know, the tough guy turtle, gets into a fight with Casey Jones, played wonderfully by Elias Coteus. Sure. Casey Jones is a psychopath that uses sporting goods to beat the shit out of criminals. Nice. It's pretty great. So he's trying to beat the shit out of Raphael, who's a ninja, and he like keeps moving out of the way. And then he finally grabs the bat as he swings it, and he looks at it and he goes, a Jose Canseco bat, tell me. You didn't pay money for this. Like, that's kind of... Oh, that's mean. That's mean. And that was like 89 to 90. Right. I'm wondering if that's because they were in New York. Well, no. We'll get to that. We'll get to the Ninja Turtles. All all next episode (laughs) is going to be about the Ninja Turtles line. Well, no. That that joke... Like, we'll get to it now, but we'll talk about it again. That joke in that movie makes sense. Because what frustrates me about this book, what Jose Canseco leaves out of this book, I think I texted you this. It goes from his gripes with Mark McGuire during the 87-88 season, and then the next time he talks about baseball is this, when he's getting traded. In between that, we have an article about him fucking women on the road when he's married. That is a crazy we're going to talk about that in depth at the end that one by the way almost as if not more damning than the steroids yeah it's nuts there's a chapter about buying cars there's the chapter about fucking women on the road there's a chapter about not fucking madonna which okay the not fucking madonna one is crazy because he mentions baseball in it but only about how that relationship was fucking up baseball yeah, that's the thing. He like he wonders why he got traded. So then the chapter after Madonna is a chapter about someone writing an article about, hey, is Jose Canseco using steroids? And how he lost a million dollar Pepsi deal over it. And just like Madonna did. Right. And then we get to he gets traded and he's like, why'd I get traded? Well, here's a question. Where are all the chapters about how dope you were at baseball between 
all of all of this time killing first round draft pick frank thomas in a lamborghini yeah because the thing about that joke in teenage mutant ninja turtles and something jose canseco leaves out of this book but when he he sort of touches on it but only to say he fell into the trap of trying to live up to high expectations and what he means is he batted 0.083 in the 1990 World Series. That's not a good, those aren't great numbers. His stats in the World Series during this time when he doesn't mention baseball in the book and when he's wondering why he would be traded, seven hits, 10 RBIs, three home runs in 46 at-bats. Isn't that nuts that almost half of his hits were home runs? In that, two of those World Series, his only hits were three-run home that's runs. That's super indicative of Jose Canseco as a player, by the way. Because right? when you really ditch this down, and it's something that he says in the very beginning of the book, which is, I'm a power hitter. If I'm going to make contact, I'm going to kill it. That means I'm going to miss a lot. But I'm going to be productive. When it really comes down to it, I'm going to put numbers up there, and I'm going to give you the long ball. Here's the thing, though. At the World Series, you're literally getting the best of the The best. best. So now you're getting pitchers who know that you're going to do that, who are going to throw you low-breaking balls, who are going to throw you shit you can't hit. People that made it to the World Series. Right. So, like, you're not going to fucking immediately be better than that. Right. This isn't some guy who just got pulled up. No. And is trying to gas you with a fastball. Yeah. Like, it's impossible to get to the World Series without a really strong pitching rotation. One or two good pitchers won't take you to the World Series. It's why the Braves dominated the 90s. Right. Their offense was fine, but their bullpen was Glavin and Maddox and Steve Avery. And, like, they were deep. They were like four Cy Young level pitchers deep. John Rocker. I'm throwing baseballs to them queers with AIDS. <laughs> Remember that guy? Yeah, he was a problem, man. I, I saw him on an episode of Pros versus Joes. Do you know what the challenge was? Don't say something racist. He throws at you, and you have to then take him off the pitcher's mound. You have to charge the mound. Even on that show, they were like, try to fight this fuck face here. I like that. Isn't that great? So, yeah, this trade happens. It happens during the game, and there's a few different ways to look at it. One which is, I think, the way a lot of people looked at it in the 90s, that this was kind of a betrayal it's on the jaw, part. It's jaw-dropping. Yeah, it was shocking. Everyone was shocked, especially the fact that it happened during a game. And it feels a lot like that on the surface. Like, Jose Canseco, that A's team was great. Yeah. They went to the World Series three times in a row. And not necessarily without him. Like, he did produce when he was, right. when he was there. When he was there there yeah but he also didn't produce in the world series like he produced fine in 89 the year they won but the two years they didn't win and here's the thing in his defense mark mcguire wasn't great in the world series either but mark mcguire wasn't missing batting practice because he was fucking madonna that shit matters you mean not fucking madonna read the book adam yeah now Here's the thing about the act of betrayal and why this is so shocking before we get to the other part, too, is that I think the surprise looking back at it is seriously from a business standpoint, because this motherfucker sold so many tickets. It's unfathomable unless do you ever see a local basketball game when LeBron would go to town and come to town? I remember when the Celtics were shit. Yeah. And people weren't going to games. And then LeBron would come and it would sell out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Like, this guy produced a lot of money, and Canseco was that. The A's were a team that you wanted to see your team play. Right. You wanted to hate them. Think about the Angels. Wally Joyner. Wally Joyner. He was an angel, right? Yeah. So think about how many times the Angels and the A's played, or mm-hmm. like the Mariners. So he's not only making a ton of money, selling a ton of money in, in merch as well. People are paying money for these Jose Canseco bats. Right. That's the thing that really blows my mind is that he's also a bit of a cash cow for a lot of these teams. Well, I read a bunch of articles from the time this trade happened, and there's a mm-hmm. quote from Tony LaRussa in one of these articles, and we're getting a little head ahead bringing this up, but he's like, you know, you can be that flashy player and be in the headlines and do all those things, but you got to do your job. He's yep. like, Reggie Jackson didn't get along with people great. He was very flashy. He was always out on the town, but he did his fucking job. Especially in October. Mr. October, they called Reggie Jackson. He was fucking clutch. And Jose is just missed in October. Jose Canseco (laughs) missed. I get it. That wasn't bad. You know what Jose Canseco wants to be? The most. Mr. Madonna. He wants to be the most forgiven player in baseball. Yeah. He wants all of his faults and shortcomings that are obvious faults and shortcomings that any team employing him would address. He wants that all overlooked, and he wants us to believe that everything negative that happened in his career was just steroids. He also wants $150 to give a greeting (laughs) that is approved to anyone of your choice. Right. That is something available on but not us. No, not us. I get it. But also I'm like, mm. yeah. The other thing that I found, you don't hear this part mentioned much, but the part that was shocking to me about this trade got traded within his own division. Yeah. That's like such a rare thing to happen. Cause a lot of times when that happens, one, if you're a really great player, teams won't do that. Cause they don't want to face they don't you go against you multiple times each year. But it's smart when you think about how it's a business decision over a playing yeah. decision. He was constantly injured. Yeah. His back is fucking jacked up forever. Right. He'd had two or three back surgeries at that point. Because he even talks about in the book that he had like secret surgeries. Yeah. Another thing he brings up in the book, and I don't know how he doesn't tie this to him being traded and it probably being for the best. The fans in Oakland fucking hated him by that point. Because he kept choking in the goddamn World Series. Yeah, that happens. And then he would get hurt all the time. And his production was declining by this point. He only played 65 games in 1989. He only played 131 in 90. He had a solid 1991. But at the time he was traded late in the season, August, almost the end of the season, he only had 22 home runs. Which is funny, too, because like 22 home runs is is not bad it's not bad but it's not numbers it's yeah it's nothing for jose canseco he was hurt all the time his postseason stats were terrible yeah and another thing that had happened not long before this trade is he was playing in a game i think against the white Sox, and started having back problems and instead of just going to the team and being like back hurts can i sit out the rest of the game he just one pulled himself from the game unannounced and then left the stadium and if you know anything about team sports even if you're hurt if at all possible you stay till the end of the fucking game true although i wouldn't i don't know how bad the back pain was at that point in time like there might be some things where you're like hey i gotta 
go to what's stopping? But what's stopping you from telling the manager? Did he didn't tell anybody. He didn't in tell the organization. He pulled himself from the game without telling. Like there came a point like in the he game. Just ghosted an entire game yes. he was playing in, and they were like, "Where's Where's Jose? This is not here anymore." And like he just left. And yeah, that's nuts. That makes it so weird, and in a way, unbelievable. Yeah, that he wouldn't tell somebody like, "Hey, you got to tell him. I got to get my ass to the hospital." It is the biggest diva fucking dick move you can pull as a player on a team sport there was a game i remember once randy moss just walked off the field before halftime was over and the entire minnesota vikings franchise was livid they were like we are a team if we're on the field we're on the field you are not bigger than the team. You don't walk off yeah. because you're angry. Have- Jose Canseco left the stadium. There it is. And Tony Larusa is the manager. Tony Larusa is this old school baseball guy. He's going to be like. He's having people throw balls at Jose <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a receipt. Yeah. So I feel like Jose Canseco is kind of wrong in portraying this as a betrayal. Any sort right. of a shock or a betrayal. I think it was a shock to him because he himself couldn't fathom why they would get rid of him. Because he's a narcissist. He is a narcissist, but he was also the face of a franchise that was a narcissist. Right. You can't deny that he didn't know that. But in a way, he got cocky because of it. He got cocky because of it, and he makes it very clear throughout the entire book. He wasn't the sole face of that franchise. Nor was he... You can't spell Bash Brothers without brothers. True. He wasn't the sole face but like he's also doing that because there was a lot of him trying to throw mcguire under the bus in that book yeah there's a lot of him throwing mcguire under the bus but he he was the face and i mentioned this in another episode boxes of baseball cards you know when you buy with the 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 packs in them and everything there was always a jose canseco card in the box art like this is what you could get it was right i don't recall ever seeing a mcguire until like 98 but the irony here, and he touches on it a little bit in the book, is that was true everywhere but Oakland, where he would get consistently booed. And after he was traded... Read the room, Jose. Yeah, after he was traded, people were mad. And even in the book, he's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have booed me. But yeah, the relationship had soured. Thank God for that trade, because in 1995... Right. He ends up in Boston. And I don't know, for the couple of people that are watching at home... I went out and picked myself up a... Adam? Yeah, Canseco, 33. I don't have mine on. I got a Jose Canseco Red Sox jersey shirt from the season and a half. Uh, let it. me tell you, eBay, $30. Showing me up. I did show you up. $30 on eBay, and I will tell you this. Number one, the neck hole, way too high. Very 90s shirt. It's not a scoop neck, you know? It's a big, high, like almost like a turtleneck of a t-shirt. It is not breathable at all. I think it is made primarily of tinfoil. I'm not 100% sure, but it holds on to a lot of heat. I am dying in this shirt. It's also a little too short. It's a large. It fits my body width-wise quite well, but it stops just at about the belt buckle, and that's a little too short for me. What I'm going to have to do is I might have to special order a Red Sox shirt. Uh Uh-oh. What do we have here? I'm going to have to special order... A custom Red Sox shirt. Uh, Adam Todd Brown rolling in with a. Now I'm wearing two shirts. Thank you. Cooperstown. uh, (laughs) Cooperstown badge. A little wishful thinking there, Jose. Did you stitch that on yourself, Jose? (laughs) 
<laughs> There's a Cooper's Town, but with a question mark at the end. <laughs> Where'd you get that one, Adam? I got this on eBay oh, also. eBay, yeah. I wanted, because I'm from Illinois, yeah. I wanted a Conseco White Sox jersey. Hard to find. Very hard to find. Very rare. The Good eBayers, get if you can find one. They're eBayers, about 180 bucks. We eBayers will call that a VHTF. Very hard to find. That's right. The Red right? Sox. This was about a year and a half that he played for the Red Sox, and he came here from Texas? I forget what the series of the, yeah. the of like I think it was like Texas, then to Boston. I think he was White Sox or, then Boston. No, White Sox was his last team. Oh. Okay. Because it was uh the Devil Rays and then the White Sox were the last one, and that's why the White Sox one is so rare. Yeah. Since we're on this sidebar, can we yeah. sidebar about the word bash? Because I was walking along the bike paths here. You know the ones, yes. very close to where we live. And a woman was yelling at her kid. Her kid's name was Bash. And Bash took off running. And she goes, Bash, I'm going to count to three, and you better stop running. And she didn't even get to three before it was apparent that Bash was not going to stop running. And here's the thing. Don't name your kid Bash. No. If you don't want him to act like a fucking bash. Yeah. That's bash a, does not stop when you count to three. That's bash energy right there. Yeah. Bash is going to fucking run. Unless it's three strikes. Then yeah. bash is going to sit his ass down in the dugout until <laughs> he has to go home. Jose Canseco from 1985 to 1992, Oakland A's. Then the Rangers from 92 to 94. Red Sox, 95 to 96. Back to the A's in 1997. They tried to recapture that magic. And guess what? Didn't work. Not recaptured. So he runs over to the Toronto Blue Jays in 98. Then the Devil Rays from 99 to 2000. The Yankees took him for a little chunk of 2000. They were like, let's see what we can do. I'm like, we can hate him. Yeah. So then Again, they- played in the World Series and did not produce. Yeah. I think he was a DH. There it is. Yeah. That's not a bad move to do. I wonder if Canseco started as a DH instead of playing outfield. If his career would have been better because he wouldn't have probably fucked up his back as much. But then again, I feel like also a lot of the back problems came from his working out. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And uh, I don't know if you knew this, uh, steroid problems. Did he have steroid problems? Well, he had steroid solutions. So let's talk about this trade. You've mentioned it a couple times, but let's talk about it from a business standpoint, because you do make a good point. Jose Canseco was the face of this. He generated a lot of money but also a huge off-field distraction. Yeah, a lot of buzz. He's letting his personal endeavors literally infringe upon his ability to play baseball. And It'd be funny if Madonna fucked up his back. <laughs> yes, on that trapeze. <laughs> and oh, I blew my back out not fucking Madonna. Oh, well, that fucking chapter. <laughs> so that's all true. He's generating money. But if you look at this trade... At the time, from a standpoint of what these teams needed, Oakland was still making a run for the division championship. Yeah. They were having a good season, but they needed pitching. Yeah. What they didn't need was an oft-injured tank to swing and miss. Right. And so with Jose Canseco, he's hurt all the time. He's on the decline. He's only got 22 home runs that season. Fans are fucking booing him all the time. So they work out this trade where they get two pitchers to back up Dennis Eckersley, who's their closer, yeah. who could have used that backup in 88. Uh, yeah, right. And they get two pitchers, and they get Ruben Sierra. Who's who, his bad. Well, his production at that point in that season 
was almost identical to Jose Canseco's. They just traded Canseco for Canseco, basically. Yeah, they were like like, a nicer. From an output production, that's going to be a lateral move. We get the pitching. Texas also gave them a ton of money. Yeah. The other thing to think about, too, in this is I get why you want two power hitters, like a Canseco and a Maguire, but you desperately need one. And then if you have production hitters, you're going to be okay. Right. That's how the Angels won a World Series in 2002, is they didn't have two big swings. They had guys like David Eckstein that were slap-hitting fucking singles and running them out. They were slashing and dashing. So with the A's here, you don't need two people to hit home runs the way you'd need just... You have McGuire. Right. McGuire, who's a little bit more reliable from a baseball perspective and a lot more reliable from a personnel perspective. They also had Harold Harold Baines, who if oh, you're yeah. not, if you're not super familiar with baseball, that name means nothing to you, but he was hitting cleanup on that team. Yeah. He was batting fourth. Harold Baines was a great fucking power hitter. Yeah. So, yeah, getting rid of Conseco, it was shocking, but it made all the sense in the yeah. world. It's funny too cuz when you and look And Texas needed someone that would sell tickets. Yeah. Trying to sell fucking outdoor baseball tickets in Arlington, Texas in the summer. The dead of summer. September. You're going to need someone. Yeah. Fucking. Jose Canseco was that. And it's like, that's what he wanted. He spent his career trying to live up to that. Like, I'm the guy that sells tickets. Yeah. I'm out fucking Madonna in my Lamborghini. Yeah. He's basically opening a fucking supermarket here. Yeah. Like, he's basically there like, yep, yep, here I am. It's me, Jose Canseco from the Beckett's. You saw me on the World Series that time with the earthquakes. And I feel like this entire book is obviously indicative of what kind of person he is because he wrote the book. But just to give you another example of that, he talks about being traded to Texas. And he's like, finally, I got to play around some fellow Latino players. And then spends the next five pages throwing all of those motherfuckers under the bus for doing steroids. Yeah, man, he went right after Pudge. Pudge, Rafael Palmero. And it's like, you're bad. Yeah. You're a bad person. Yeah, finally, I could do these specific things to my fellow Latino ballplayers. Yeah. I don't feel like he, I don't think he went back and fact-checked it. And I think a good example of that is, or not so much fact-checked it, but just check to make sure that this is what he wanted to put out. Because you can tell the editor's note in the beginning of the book where they're like, hey, real quick. So steroids. Steroids. It's You're married right. to that intro? Yeah. Well, yeah, man. I think we're all going to live to 150 <laughs> on steroids. Okay, Jose. Interesting. Well, we're going to make a lot of money off this book, and it probably didn't cost us a lot. So <laughs> we'll just put a little disclaimer in the beginning that says, don't listen to what Jose is saying. Yeah. Yeah, this book is not meant to promote steroids, despite promoting steroids extensively throughout the entire It opens and closes with press. Steroids are fucking (laughs) rad. I still want to give HGH a try. Got to be honest, it sounds so great. I think Jose Canseco is right. If you Google steroids 2019, you don't get a bunch of cautionary tales about dead baseball players. You get listicles about the best legal steroids and how to inject them. And you get articles about, are steroids back in baseball? And here's the thing. Yes, they are Long clearly back. They are clearly Remember back. They're like busted Stallone for steroids in Timbaland. And I was just like, what do you think he's going to enter the Olympics? <laughs> the guy have his steroids. Timbaland too. Yeah. Well, I mean, how are you going to make those beats if you're not fucking yeah. juiced up and make that Chris Cornell album? T- Timbaland. That fucking- album that killed Chris Cornell. 
<laughs> with roid rage. Timberland beat him to death. <laughs> Make your songs, motherfucker! Just fucking savagely road raging it out. I was really hoping there would be just a small blurb where he was just like, and that's how I got Madonna on steroids. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that, that would have been. Because she had that yoga body afterwards. She did. She had that smooth curve body that she had, you know, the fucking breathless Mahoney body. And yeah. And not too long later, she started being like, I think I'm going to do that yoga. She's got her jacked up arms. Yeah. That's Conseco right there. And then she tried to play guitar for a while. Ooh, and we were like, good. no, you don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not why we bought Madonna. So that whole fucking trade happens. And I mean,. People can go read the book for themselves. I just read the book. There is more to that period of history. And I think here's the thing. This is the last thing I want to add about the trade. The part where it happens during a game, still not that weird because it wasn't the A's fault that the trade deadline was a couple hours away. Like the trade deadline that could have happened in the seventh inning because the trade deadline was still a few hours away. And you could make the argument that the fact that they let it drag on as long as they did probably showed that they were really struggling with the thought of trading Jose Canseco. It was probably the money that ended up tipping them, which is like such a wonderful insult. Like we got a couple hundred grand. Yeah. Well, I think it was the money and Ruben Sierra because they were just trying to get pitching. I feel like. Well, they had the pitching in Ruben Sierra and they were like, uh, and then they were like, and we'll give you some money. That's usually when money comes into play. Yeah. It's usually the cherry on the, on the, on the, the Sunday. thing about, and this is another part of why this trade made good business sense. Ruben Sierra was about to be a free agent. So there was a good chance the Rangers going to take off. We're going to lose him next season anyway. So this was just two teams trying to improve during a playoff run. Because the Rangers finished fourth. They weren't terrible that year. They finished like 19 games back. But But they also sell tickets for the carnival aspect of it. Yeah. That's like some Mark Cuban shit, though. It it really is. When you give the fans a reason to come to the game, aside from just winning... Then it's still you're still gonna sell tickets. The yeah. Fucking the Orioles Stadium. I went to the Orioles Stadium at one point in time, and I was like, "This is so much better than Fenway." You go to Fenway, and the experience is, I'm in an old shitty place. Yeah. Look at this place. It's rickety, and I don't fit in the seats. It sucks. I feel that way at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. But fucking, you know, you go to some of these places, or like what Mark Cuban did with the Mavericks. He's like, yeah. "I'm gonna spend some fucking money." Kansas I'm City's a- baseball stadium. Wah. Uh. Remember when we were it. we were in Kansas City on opening day the year they won the World Series. Oh, that's right. And I was just watching a lot of white Kansas City dudes trying to say the names of Hispanic ball players on the yeah. news. Yeah, me and Chet went to we did a show in Kansas City in 2018 and we went to a Royals Yankees game. Nice. Lots of fun. Pittsburgh I heard's great. Yeah, I'm sure. And cheap. Oakland on the other hand, they still playing in the Coliseum? I don't know. I think they are, which come on. Stop it. I mean, you got to be able to buy a new one. Catwalk overlooking a junkyard is what you cross getting to the Oakland Coliseum. I mean, that's just Oakland. Yeah. That's not a junkyard. That's That's just Oakland. So let's talk about some of those crazy chapters in the middle that I mentioned earlier. The Tom Boswell, I don't remember that, but that's a chapter about which we didn't even really mention that during all the trade talk. There were all these steroid rumors coming out. And again, again in the book, he's like, why me? And it's like, you are the one who is taking credit for bringing steroids to baseball. They're going to target you first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, clearly we're doing steroids. Nobody looks like a horse 
Like, that's not a thing, man. Why not McGuire, though? Because McGuire wasn't fucking Madonna. Yeah, he also wasn't taking fucking uh, yeah. shirtless photos and being the fucking face of muscle and fitness. He was just like, I'm just going to wear long sleeves. That motherfucker was wearing long sleeve shirts under his fucking jerseys for a reason. Yeah. Like, he did not want you to know. Which is the smart thing to do. He was an undercover fucking monster. Yeah. So there's that whole chapter, which really that feels like why he blew the whistle on steroids. He lost a million dollar Pepsi deal. He lost a million dollar Pepsi deal and McGuire was still lauded as being the savior of baseball. Right. That's really what it came down to is that Canseco's the villain and McGuire's the hero and Canseco's like, we were basically the same guy. But you weren't. But you weren't. But you weren't. But you were basically the same physical type. Right. But there is so much more to it. Right. In Jose Canseco's own words, it seems like Mark McGuire was a better natural baseball player, for one thing. Not the off-field distraction that Jose Canseco was. And all throughout the book, Jose Canseco will make that seem like a knock against Mark McGuire. He'll be like, oh, good boy, Mark McGuire. It's like... Well, he learned to be an athlete, dude. There's also parts where he's just like Mark McGuire. Mark didn't have the charisma that I had with the ladies. Yeah. And then it's so funny because I think Jose only mentions cheating like once on his own. He touches down on like everybody did this, but he only specifically mentions him doing it. I think once. And it was about the decay of his marriage. Right. He really tries to avoid the idea that he was fucking around. But, but then, then, you, then, then writes a chapter. You're right. This is possibly crazier than the intro to the book. This is the most important chapter, I think, in this book because the book and the concept of throwing a bunch of other players under the bus is all, you know, oh, you know, they got caught doing steroids and here are the people. But then out of nowhere, he's like, let me tell you everybody that fucked around on their wives. Yeah. And it's like, Jesus, man. This is what got you blackballed, pal. Yeah. Everyone but Roger Clemens slept around. He says that in the book. That's literally Everyone a but Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens is the only one I saw that didn't fuck around. And he's fuck like, you, Kurt Schilling. Fuck you, Kurt Schilling, for a million reasons. For a reasons. lot of reasons. I fucking, in baseball, he might be my least favorite person of all time. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. He's just... His post-baseball career is just a series of being a piece of shit over and over and over again. Yeah. So, yeah, the road beef chapter, it's called Road Beef Imports and Extra Cell Phones. Yeah. And Road Beef, just to undo that mystery right now, (laughs) is what Jose Canseco and his fellow baseball players called women they fucked on the road. Yes. and Road Beef. He talks about a lot of ups and downs. I am in love with the concept of the slump buster, which is if you're in a slump, if you're not doing well and you're in a slump, basically the idea is to fuck the nastiest woman you possibly can find. Right. And apparently, and this is so great that he threw him under, (laughs) call back to episode one of the (laughs) Jose Can Say cast, Mark Grace gets called out for diving into the nastiest, (laughs) funkiest women you could possibly imagine. And and Jose's just like he would Mark Grace would find just pigs, just yeah, fucking nasty, shitty. And he was like, he's like, isn't this funny? And I'm like, probably not to his wife. <laughs> yeah, this chapter should have taken human growth hormone because it has not fucking aged well. But it's at all. It's hilarious because it is a straight up attack. And the on thing people is, he used to hang out with because you got to remember he only knows this because they used to go out, right? 
So he's and just like, remember that thing we used to do? I'm telling your wives about it. It's uncomfortable in that way. Like there's a book, I can't think of the name of it now, but it's this guy who used to work on Wall Street just like telling all the shitty, crazy things bankers do behind the scenes. I think it's called Straight to Hell. Yeah. And it's all this debaucherous shit. And you're like, these are bad people doing bad yeah. things. But it's also informative because- there's this aura or this image that a Wall Street type would put forward. Yeah. And then to know what's going on behind the scenes, it's at least enlightening. And that's what this chapter is because you know it's true. You know what I really, who I really want to talk to? I want to talk to the editor of this book. That person. Probably. I want to talk to this editor because I want to know what the process was of going through and getting this book, of getting the chapters, of organizing the chapters, of looking over this information and being like, are, are you sure? Yeah. The making of Juiced would be a great documentary. Uh, like 100%. Yeah. And like, I'm actually looking forward to reading Vindicated because I want to see where he's going to go with that. Like, yeah, because Vindicated. That's I mean, him being like, see, I was right. And I'm like, like, we knew you were doing steroids. But I know you as a writer are a little bit up and down. So like, he's going to be like, see, I was right about the steroids thing. Did I ever tell you about the time Walt Weiss killed the kid? <laughs> Like, I just, I want that. I want, <laughs> yeah. Ricky Henderson and Otis Nixon had a race to see who could do lines of Coke the fastest or what, you know, like. I believe that. Yeah. And it, this chapter, it's basically him laying out all these terms like road beef import, which is when you have a. You bring a lady. The, you're on the road and there's a girl you want to see who lives in another town. So you fly her in. Yeah. That's an import. There's, there's the slump stuff. buster. Yeah. There was all this information about like women flying on like team planes and shit and they were yeah. like, gonna cut that shit out real fast having two cell phones oh yeah so if you're a baseball player and you're reading this book at the time you're like fuck so yeah the road beef chapter it's fucking horrifying yeah and it's, it's an interesting and in a way it's one of those ones where you're like oh i feel uncomfortable reading this yeah you're almost like oh yeah yeah it doesn't feel good it definitely hasn't aged well and if this was a more respected like imagine if that chapter was in like if peyton manning wrote a book if it was written by peter gammon <laughs> and this chapter is just in the middle of it you'd be like what the fuck well that seems like something peyton manning would accidentally do maybe i mean we heard about his little little rigmarole from when he was in college oh yeah a sex creep fucking gross eat shit peyton manning so yeah, the road beef chapter, then the Madonna chapter. The Madonna stuff is interesting because he knows he has to cover it. I'm wondering though, how much of this do you think is, do you think he signed an NDA with Madonna? That actually was my thought too. That's is, what I was this thinking This sounds too. like someone who signed an NDA. Because it's very diplomatic and it looks like he jumps around the things that he wasn't allowed to say. Right. Because he's like, people said we slept together. And I feel like- the NDA probably stated you don't acknowledge that you've slept with Madonna until she does or whatever. Right. That Which just the fact that he appeared in the sex book, you know, he filled out some legal forms yep. over that. And I'm sure one of them was, hey, you don't get to tell people how you ended up in the sex book. Yeah, he actually had sex with Vanilla Ice. <laughs> and Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. Which that's kind of cool. I mean, yeah, that's a. A wrap sandwich, if you ask me. <laughs> sure is. Yeah, the story about the first time meeting Madonna is nuts, where yeah, she shows him the scene from 
of her masturbating uh, from uh, Truth or Dare. Right. And he said he just sat on the bed and watched. He's almost trying to, like, neg her in this. He's still trying to get back with her. Yeah, because it does end with him being like, I sometimes wonder what it would be like if I was married to Madonna. And here's the thing. He He's, says she... Because yeah, you wouldn't have to sell your soul for a fucking book snitching out everybody. He at one point claims she proposed to him, but also that they never had sex. Yeah, it's funny, too, because he mentions... He mentions this thing where he says, I could tell that I was a fetish to her. Like yeah. That, like that he was a stud, basically, because she wanted to have a Latin baby, and she keeps saying that. And I don't doubt that that didn't come up. Like, I don't <sighs> doubt that part of it, but I doubt his refusal to roll with it. Like, he seems yeah. like the kind of guy that would be like, yeah, that's fine. Even that part, like, I can't picture Madonna being the type to be like, I want to have a Latin baby. I absolutely can. I feel like that's him seeing what relationship she entered into next, which yeah. was a relationship with another Cuban man, and him being like, mm, she had a fetish, and mm, I didn't even want to have sex with her. I'm Jose Canseco. And it's like, all right, dude. Yeah. Do you I, think she actually proposed to him? No, but I do think the fetishistic aspect of it, I do 100% actually believe that. Maybe. Um, because maybe, so maybe be, that's just her type. Because, she likes well, Latin. The, well, dude. that's exactly the thing. And is Guy Ritchie. There are parts of this that are very believable. Primarily the stuff where he's like, this is a woman who was very upfront. She knew what she wanted and she spoke very frankly about things. She was very forward. And that tracks for me, especially when she was, she was that successful. We knew that she was that forward at the time. Now, his recounting of a lot of that, I don't believe. And I do think a lot of it's NDA shit. Yeah. But I don't discount him being like, she said she wanted to have a baby with a Latin dude and that I was, you know, I mean, not for nothing, but like there are a lot of very, I would say, evolutionary reasons that a woman would want to have a baby with Jose Canseco. Like, yeah, he's a big, tall, strapping young man. That he was, you know, but yeah, I think I got that same feeling that he's like kind of jumping around, like just dancing around the whole topic. And, you know, he fucked Madonna. Of course he fucked Madonna. And and it would it would have been fine if he was just like cliffhanger, baby. Can't tell you. Don't worry about it. You don't need to know. But he tried to play it like, oh, I wasn't even that interested. I didn't even like her that much. Played it cool. Acts like that wasn't Madonna at her absolute fucking hottest point in history. Also, the Dick Tracy era Madonna. Yeah, Dick Tracy Madonna is the hottest Madonna. And he acts like, oh, I was more attracted to the Madonna I knew the beginning of her career. And it's like, here's the other. I mean, that doesn't make that's not wrong because if you look at the women he's dated, they all had very like yeah teased up hair and everything. If he did not fuck Madonna and if he sat there just watching it, I can guarantee you that this was a thousand percent more of a deer in the headlights situation than it was a being cool. Yeah. Being like, this ain't my scene, baby. It was more (laughs) him just being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, he makes it seem like he's not that interested, but talks about all these times they met up and all the things they would do so they could meet up. What do you think? You're good company? Yeah. You're fucking Jose Canseco. You're, you're a fucking stud, and so was Madonna. So was Madonna. Yeah, dude. Arguably more successful baseball career than Jose Canseco. Yeah, man. How many movies has he been in about baseball? Right. She was uh, in League of Their Own, baby. League of Their Own is my favorite baseball movie. It's 
great. It's it's just edges out Major League for me. I like the natural a whole lot, which I know is dorky of me, yeah, but it's fine. I always loved the natural as a kid. I am a fan of A League of Their Own. I think it it's this sort of transcendent experience. It's a very funny drama. And I like when that lady's husband is killed. <laughs> that part's great. That part is great. Has anybody seen my hat? Oh, piss on your hat. Uh, so Jose Canseco. From A League of Their Own. The trade that... The trade that changed the world. Now, Texas is where... Was it Texas or Toronto where he... With the, the wall ball. It's Texas, right? I'm pretty sure Texas is both... And I think this will be a big part of the next episode. He not only gets the wall ball where a, a fly ball bounces off his head and over the fence for a home run, but also demands to be put in as a pitcher in a game that they're losing by a whole lot. Was it a demand? Injures his arm and has, yes. Because I know that sometimes when they run out of pitching. No, but he asked to be the guy. You want to let me get in there? And then injures his arm to the point that he has to get fucking Tommy John surgery. Tommy Jose. (laughs) Tommy Juan surgery. There it is. Tomas Juan surgery. <laughs> so, oh man! Until until that wacky. Are we going to get through all this in six episodes? I think we. Will. I think we will. I mean, not for nothing, but things are going to start speeding up. Yeah, that's, because like he's going to be ping ponging. We already jumped. Yeah, what four seasons between? Yeah, this episode and last so, one. Like yeah, six episodes. Absolutely. The last episode alone is going to be very sort of. I mean, I feel like we're going to talk a lot about current events and then the post-juiced era. So, like, yeah, yeah, we're almost through his baseball career, to be honest. We are, yeah. At and least the gonna, interesting part of and it. And then we're going to start talking about that sweet jumping knee thrust <laughs> photo that he put in Juiced. Also, side note, and I just have to say that if you can even Google it if you want to, but the photos in Juiced that he inlays in the middle are fantastic choices. But the captions, I swear to Christ, it's like a grandparent writing captions. <laughs> the captions are so wonderful and ridiculous. And, and just, this is me doing this. And here I am doing this. Look at me, I'm going to kick that guy in the face with my knee. Here's me, here's me and Mark McGuire. They called us the Bash Brothers. Here's little Jose kicking a guy in the face. Here's me with Josie. She's my daughter. <laughs> yeah, the next chapter is fatherhood, and I cannot wait to read his take on that. Yeah, it's good stuff. But uh, that's our episode. Yeah, so thank you so much for listening, subscribers, uh, and thank you so much for watching along, all of you cool subscribers. All you cool Patreon subscribers. If I'm plugging anything, just a reminder, we're finally up and running. Our live stream shit was down for a long time, but depending on the Patreon level you subscribe to, you can watch us record some of this shit. I'm going to say a shout out, shattering what you would consider to be gender norms. The three people watching the Jose Canseco live stream, all fantastic women. Right? I like that a lot. I think it's fantastic. The so three, people commenting. three people there commenting. There are at least yeah, twice as many people watching. Jeff. Whoa. So you guys ain't commenting? All <laughs> right. Are you a couple of Jose Canseco's watching a Madonna masturbation video? Huh? <laughs> what are you doing? Deer caught in the headlights? Right. And or too cool? All right. So yeah, patreon.com slash unpops. If you're listening to this for free, you could have heard it a long fucking time ago on Patreon. Yeah. 
You should have. You should have. You should have. Now was, the world this, has passed you by. This was our passion project with my return to Unpops. It's fun so far. I'm really enjoying it. I was telling my mom. I was on the phone with my mom. She's like, what are you recording today? I was like, well, I got a Tom and Jeff watch Batman. But before that, I'm going to do Jose Canseco. She's like, oh, yeah, you liked him. <laughs> and I was like, I sure did. She's like, you had an Oakland A's hat in Boston, and that was hard to explain. Oh, yeah, I bet. Because I used to wear, I, like, Both I have American photos League of me teams. wearing an A's hat as a kid. Yeah. Like yeah, I, as a kid, I was more flexible with what teams I would wear, things like that. Yeah. Now it's mostly Cubs, Bears. Yeah. I went Red Sox pretty quick. Yeah. I was just like, all right, this is my thing. Yeah. All right. Thank you for everyone who watched live. Thank yeah. you for everyone listening. If you're listening for free, give us good ratings and reviews on yeah, iTunes. Do that. Do you on have Apple Podcasts, plug? right? Yes. There's no iTunes anymore. No it's more Apple iTunes. Podcast. If you are also a gamefully unemployed subscriber, which chances are you are, if you're on Unpops, it's a very, very, very tight knit group. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, you can check out Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on Gamefully Unemployed. Uh, so we got that. Now that all you Mean Boys listeners have free time. Yeah. Because the mean men. I'm supposed to be on one of the last episodes of Mean Boys, and we have recorded it. And the last I saw, they tweeted that they lost the SD card. What are you, fucking losing your SD card? Oh, what are you, a fucking idiot? Hey, hey you just got mean men. It was uh, uh, me and Jessica Michelle Singleton. Oh, excellent. And yeah, That's Connor's, two, been a great Connor's two X's. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also Mint on Card is the second Friday of every month at Blast from the Past and Magnolia, except December, first Friday. But come check that out. Uh, I think that's all I got. I have like a thousand shows, but you know, those are the ones I care about. Yeah. <laughs> I have no shows, but I'm going to tour next year. I'm going to write, write new jokes. I might yeah, write a book buddy. next year. Yeah? Yeah. Think about all the steroid use in yeah, the pop yeah. network? About comedians doing steroids and fucking women fucking on the just, road. Just fucking me and, I mean, that that, that second part is 100% a thing. Probably, just yeah. Really, just a scathing indictment on Carrot Top. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Bye, Jeff, later. say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.